Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Just uh, be forewarned, I'm not in a hurry. (laughs) Hallelujah. That doesn't mean I'm going to try to be long, but we got some things to say. God's preparing us for something. God, God doesn't take a people somewhere that He hasn't prepared them to go. Amen. And God prepares you in the Spirit. And God starts by preparing the leaders in the Spirit. And He starts telling them, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. This is what it's going to take to get there. And, and many of you are under the Word today. And many of you are here today because of the Word. Others of you are here as for a combination. The Word and the Spirit. The moving of the Spirit and the preaching and the teaching of the Word. You've got to understand, if you don't have both of them, you'll be at a deficit. If all you have is the teaching of the Word and the preaching of the Word and you don't have the moving of the Spirit, you're going to be at a deficit. It takes both of them. Jesus said the words that I speak, they are Spirit and they are life. In order to properly fight the fight of faith that we've been talking about, you've got to be full of two things. You've got to be full of the Word and you've got to be full of the Spirit. If you're going to properly fight the fight of faith, you've got to be full of the Word and you have to be full of the Spirit. Amen. We'll show you this from the Word. So 1 Timothy 6 and 12. Good Lord, I'm in Galatians 3. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm going to be translated real quick over there. Amen. 1 Timothy 6. Say out loud, I believe God. God. You you know, I've said that for years. One day I was reading that verse in, in the book of Acts where Paul had been on a ship that they hadn't seen the sun for days. For days. The, the ship is broken apart. The mast is broke. They've thrown off all the cargo. It looked like, he said in the book of Acts, it looked like all hope was gone. Right? They'd been fasting. They even had these heathens fasting. Amen. Boy, when you get heathens fasting and praying, something's going on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. And remember what Paul did? It said after many days. He came up on deck and he said, up, be of good cheer. Right? What's there to be of good cheer about? The sun hadn't come out yet. The water's still rocky. And Paul says, be of good cheers. He said, for there stood by me this night the angel of the Lord. And he said, fear not, Paul, because I'll save you and I've given you the life of everyone on the ship. And nobody will lose their life. The ship will be lost, but the lives won't be lost. And he made the statement, Wherefore, sirs, I believe God. Hallelujah. See, I'm telling you, it might look like there's been loss. It might look like the storm's still raging. It might look like the sun isn't shining. But I believe God that it will be just like He said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The sun will shine. The storm will end. You will make it to your destination. Hallelujah. Some of them could swim. Some of them couldn't. Some of them went on a barrel. 
Some of them went on pieces of the ship, but everybody got to the shore safe and in one piece. I'm telling you that the end result of what they went through was greater than it was when they started. They ended up with more than what they had in the beginning. God does not allow us to go through things and fight the fights of faith that we're fighting and not reward us at the end of that battle with more than we had going in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He don't settle up every Friday night. But boy, when he settles up, it's big. It's big. Tell your neighbor, I got something big coming. Tell him, say, I got something big coming. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. But I just, Pastor, I just don't know if I can go on. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Since you're belt up another notch. Pull your pants up. Step up in the power and the power of God. You can too. Look the enemy in his face and let him know you've never stopped me and you're never going to stop me. I am called and anointed and appointed by God and I will not just overcome. I will gain complete and total victory in the name of Jesus. You're not fighting this fight of faith just for things to get a little better. You're fighting this fight of faith to keep your foe vanquished and under your feet. You are fighting the fight of faith to keep the enemy in his submitted position to you. As a man or a woman of God, I am taking the shield of faith. I'm quenching every flaming missile that you throw my way. There's nothing you can do. You're not even a worry to me. I have the victory over you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So 1 Timothy 6.12 says to fight the good fight of faith. Is that what it says? Fight. Notice the phrase, the good fight of faith. So the fight that we're in is a fight of faith. This is important. Because if you've heard in the press before, in maybe different places, well, they're having a war of words. Well, what does that mean? They're using words to attack one another. The Bible says that we are in a fight of faith. Well, what does that mean simply? The implication is this, is that faith is what we're to use in this fight. Amen. Now, you know, being people of faith, we call ourselves word of faith, word and spirit however you want to say it. But here's the bottom line. Sometimes what we do is we read scriptures like this and we've heard it so often and we begin to think principles. Well, yes, we got to fight the fight of faith and we got to fight. And then all these pictures come. What is the fight of faith? And, 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 and here's what, we, what the pictures that we get. Having done all to stand, stand. And we see ourselves standing there in the armor of God and it's dented and it's, and it's beat up and it's dirty, but we're standing. We're fighting the fight of faith. That's not the implication that Scripture in Ephesians 6 gives. It doesn't give the implication of a man standing there beat up, dented, dirty armor, just breathing heavy. It carries the implication. Matter of fact, one translation says, and having come and having done all that the situation demands, stand having overcome all. So what's the picture? That of an overcomer. That of somebody that defeated the enemy and has overcome and is standing triumphant. 
Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Other people get the picture of I'm just gritting my teeth and I'm going to push this through. It's not what he's talking about. Faith is not gritting your teeth and just pushing through. Hallelujah. I mean, I'm not saying you don't ever grit your teeth and push through something, but that's not the fight of faith. Because if you start, if you start compartmentalizing what the fight of faith is, that's, what, that's how you're going to respond, and that's what you're going to re- expect. There are people that think to receive anything from God, they just got to hold on. Got to hold on. Right? Got to hold on. You've been there. Now, you white people, you've never been there. But you understand. (laughs) But you've probably been here. We got to hold on to everything. I mean, they'll get to preaching and, 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 and sucking that air and you think, dear Lord, the man needs some oxygen. Let's... <gasps> that, but here's my point. That's not the fight of faith. Faith is not tying a knot at the end of the rope and hanging on. Faith is not a hanging on. It's a standing on. I'm standing on something. Faith is a, is a structure that I can stand on. That, that's, 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 that's what the word substance means in Hebrews 11.1. 1. It means that faith is a, is a foundation, a substructure, a bridge that I can stand on that gets me from one point to another. It doesn't carry the idea of stoppage. It carries the idea of conveyance to another place. When you're in faith, you're moving. When you're in faith, you're gaining ground. When you're in faith, you're taking territory. Am I helping you? So we're in a fight of faith. Faith is what we use in this fight. The word good here is defined as beautiful. Beautiful to look at. Excellent. In other words, when you see somebody that knows what they're doing using their faith, it's beautiful to watch. It's beautiful to look at. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, never one time in the New Testament are we told to give the the credence and to give the ascendancy to the problem. When Paul was talking about the issues that he was going through, he said we were facing such a hard time. He said that it would have been better in our flesh to have died. That's what he said. But he said this, but God delivered us. And he said, and we trust That the God that did deliver us, does deliver us, and He will yet deliver us. So He's saying, if I'm in that same situation again, I know God did, I know God does, and I know God will. Amen. Never build your circumstance at the expense of your faith. That, that, That there are people that are building their circumstance at the expense of their faith. When you're fighting the fight of faith, you've got to determine if what is coming out of your mouth has faith value. Is it going to build your faith or is it going to build your circumstance? If it doesn't have faith value, you don't need to say it because everything that you're saying, whether you're in a fight or not, and we're all in the fight of faith, 
You might not be having any pressure. You might be sitting here today and you have no financial pressure. You might be sitting to somebody that that's the biggest thing they have. You might be sitting here today and you have no physical health pressure. You might be sitting next to somebody that that's the fight that they're in. But regardless, you're in the fight of faith concerning something. Am I helping you? And if I'm going to fight it correctly, my technique has to be right. Am I helping you? Hallelujah. The Woos Bible says, be constantly engaging in the contest of faith, which contest is marked by its beauty of technique. It's beautiful to watch. When you watch somebody use their faith, and they use their faith like a tool, and they use their faith like an implement to, to, to produce in their life what they want. Amen. Glory to God. And many times believers get their focus on the fight and off their technique. Folks, in the fight of faith, we don't just close our eyes and swing. Put our head down. Right? There's a technique involved. Hallelujah. Your technique in any given area is your foundation. If your technique is shaky, your performance will be shaky. Amen. Because this is not a fight for faith, it's a fight of faith. Amen. Say, this is not a fight for faith, it's a fight of faith. Now notice something. Go to Romans 12. Am I helping you? Because the question that we ask is, how successful do you want to be in the fight of faith? That's got to that's be in my mind. How successful do I want to be in this? We could go through all the scriptures that the Bible talks about with faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. You can't please God without faith. And people know all of those scriptures. But then you've got to ask yourself, so how successful do I want to be in this fight? Because you can be moderately successful. You can be unsuccessful. You can be greatly successful. Amen. Nobody has a more superior faith gene than you do. Amen. Amen. You know, in the natural, people have different genetics. There are people you look at and you can just tell they're not fast. (laughs) They're just genetically inclined to slowness. I mean up here, I mean, you know, running. Right? Right? Then there are people that you look at and they're just, boy, they just look fast. They're, they're, they're like a jaguar. They just look fast sitting in the parking lot. Right? Amen. And you make the decision, I don't want to run against them. Right? I'm going to stay over here in a turtle lane. Boy, here's the point. Nobody has a better faith gene than you do. Your faith is at whatever level it's at because you've built it to that level. Amen. Brother Hagin said this. He said, everything that you need costs what it's always cost. It costs faith. Hallelujah. Yeah, but that that I'm believing for is hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? It just costs faith. So I can take my faith. Listen, when you paid your electric bill, 
by faith. What happened? You received a deposit of faith. You had built your faith to that level. Now, what do you have to do? Now you got to build your faith to another level. Amen. And you'll eventually get there. Yeah, but it might take a while. Who cares? Once you get it by faith, it's yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans 12 and 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that's among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. The measure of faith. Now notice, many will quote and say a measure. It doesn't say a measure. It says the measure. All right, what does that mean? When you got born again, you receive the measure of saving faith. Hallelujah. Charles Capp said the measure of saving faith was the word, that everybody had the same measure. Now, if you believe that, I'm not going to argue with you. All right? I don't think that's a bad idea. But here's the point. The Bible says that every man was given the measure of faith. When you got born again, in other words, God gave everybody the starting measure of faith. Hallelujah. That's starter faith. Many have said that when they were first saved, they could believe for anything. Well, think about this. Where did that faith come from? It was that measure. Hallelujah. The word measure is defined as a limited portion, a degree, a limited portion, a degree. So the faith given at salvation was the initial degree, a starting limited portion. That's why you'll see people that go to churches that don't, are not taught faith in the Word and faith in what God said, and they can't believe God for anything. Because they've never built that starting measure. Are you with me? So they get in the fight of faith and they get defeated because there's no faith to fight the faith with, to fight the fight with. Hallelujah. The problem many encounter, and I just said this, but we'll say it a different way, is that they're attempting to fight the fight of faith with the initial limited portion of faith they receive. Faith for anything is built intentionally. You don't get faith by osmosis. You don't get faith by being around faith. You get faith by building faith. Amen. You can't get faith by rubbing up against somebody that has it. Amen. You're going to get a, a, a portion of faith built in your heart today. But there's nothing like you going home and taking what's being said and building your faith intentionally. Getting up every day. Remember, every day is a faith day. And you get up every day and you build your faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Our faith doesn't grow every day just because we're saved. Understand this. Length of time saved does not mean you have great faith. Length of time saved does not mean you're spiritually mature. I've known people that were born again 25, 30 years, and they were the most childlike Christians I'd ever met in my life. 
Because you can be 40, 50, 60 years old in the natural and make childish decisions. Have you ever seen somebody and you, and you made this statement? Dear Lord, old as he is acting that way. Oh, you've never said that? Right? So length of time saved does not mean I have great faith. Here you go. Going to a faith church does not mean you have faith. Knowing faith principles does not mean you have faith. If you, if you tell anyone in our circles, how does faith come? Oh, by hearing and hearing by the word of God, bless God. But then you see them in a faith fight and they get whipped. But they knew that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What you know is ineffective unless it's planted in your heart and is producing fruit in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at Mark 4. Y'all were shouting real good a minute ago. That's all right. We'll shout some more before we're done. This is important. Hallelujah. Mark 4, verse 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him as he was in the ship, and there were with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. The wind, the waves beat into the ship. It was now full. The Roost Bible says uh, a storm of hurricane proportions. And that the boat was full of water. Now this is no doubt a dire situation. You do know that boats are not supposed to be full of water. <laughs> right? If there is, there's a problem. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Mm. And here, now, now, now that's the first evidence of a lack of faith. Why? They're not perfected in love. If they were perfected in love, they would have never doubted God's care for them. Faith works by love. Faith is energized by love. So why could, how could Jesus be asleep in the hinder part of that ship and people say because he had great faith? Because he knew how much God loved him. When you know how much God loves you, you can go to sleep in the middle of, the, of... David knew how much God loved him. And when Saul was chasing him, trying to kill him, that's when he wrote in the Psalms, he said, I will, though my enemies encamp around about me, I will not be afraid. I will lay me down and I will sleep and the Lord will sustain me. This is the guy that tried to kill him twice. Threw a javelin at him two times. Almost killed him. How could he exercise that faith? He knew how much God loved him. Right? He's the one that, 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 that wrote, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Do, do you see this? <clears throat> and he arose and rebuked the wind, said to the sea, Peace be still. The wind ceased. There was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? Now stop right there and think about this for a minute. Boat's full of water. We, we have been in this hurricane storm. And you are asking us? Now, I'm, I'm telling you from the mental perspective. Doesn't it seem like there's a reason 
to be afraid. But notice what Jesus said. How is it? He asked a question. How is it that you have no faith? Notice Jesus didn't say, Now boys, if I wasn't Jesus, I might be afraid too. Right? He said, why? Notice the two questions. Why are you so fearful? And how is it you have no faith? One translation says, you mean after all you've seen, you still don't have faith? Amen. Do you see this? Today's English version says, why are you frightened? Are you still without faith? The NIV says, have you still no faith? The New English Bible says, have you no faith even now? So these men had been with Jesus for some time, and it's apparent He expected them to have faith. He expected them to be believing Him. Hallelujah. So how, you could, this means you could be in the physical presence of Jesus and yet have no faith. If you were not intentionally, intentionally building your faith. Amen. Say out loud, I'm intentionally building my faith. Look at Matthew 14. Matthew 14, verse 27. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, to the disciples, Be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come unto you on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous or strong, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O you of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? Mm. Now notice this. We just saw an indication, an instance of no faith. Well, you can't even start the fight of faith with no faith. But Peter stepped out. Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. And he saw the wind strong and began to fear. And said, "Lord, help me! I'm sinking." And Jesus grabbed his hand. And what did he say? Notice what he said. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Is that what your Bible says? Little faith will get you started. Little faith is hand-holding faith. Little faith will get you started, but you won't last long in the fight of faith with little faith. You won't last long because it's of little measure. Little faith will not get you to the finish. And what's the goal? Finish. Right? Peter was not convinced. Remember last week we said that the principle that we looked at in the fight of faith was number one, you had to be convinced that what God said was true. And was going to come to pass. Peter wasn't convinced. Here's how we know he was not convinced. Jesus said he doubted. 
Right? See, in the fight of faith, it requires honesty. Am I in faith? Or am I not? You hear what I'm saying? I've, I've got I've to do a, 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 a checkup on myself. Okay, wait a minute. Am I in faith here? Because if you're not in faith, there's no, there's no shame in backing off and building your faith until you're ready to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I, I had a pastor friend one time that had a wonderful church, a good-sized church, wonderful church. And uh, they were deciding to, to move out to a, a piece of property and, and build a, a, a much larger building. You know there's nothing wrong with that. And, and he was much my senior in, in, in age and, and in the things of God. When I was there, I was, I was there at a meeting. And uh, he was taking us and showing us his property. And when we looked at that property, it just, it just hit me right here. That, that isn't what they need to be doing. And people say, well, why would God tell you that? Because deep cries to deep. Just because I heard it from the Spirit didn't mean I was supposed to tell Him. Why? He wouldn't have received it from me. Amen. Well, they got the place built, but they didn't get to stay in it very long. There's another church in it now. Amen. People will say, well, why? Because the faith was not there to finish. In the fight of faith, make no mistake, doubt will always show up. Doubt will always show up. But notice what happened in Peter's case. Did he step out of the boat in faith? Yes. We know that because Jesus said he had little faith. What happened? Why is little faith dangerous? Because his doubt displaced his faith. Doubt will displace little faith. Hallelujah. And, that, and that's why in, in the day and age we live in, people are trying to figure out how to come to church less. If you're going to do anything by faith, you better figure out a way to get in church more. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's not just about attending church. It's not about putting your, your, your name on the roll. It's about, I want to be where faith is, is being taught. I want to be where I can be edified in my spirit. Amen. Notice this. Jesus said he doubted. As faith grows, it displaces doubt. The, the circumstance overwhelmed his little faith. Now see, this is not just principles we know. This is a checklist. If I get overwhelmed, why did I get overwhelmed? Why did I not have the strength to push through that? I want to ask myself these questions. See, it's, it's not an indicator that you did something wrong. We talked about that last week too. It's not an indicator that you did something wrong. It's an indicator of the state of my faith. Glory to God. 
You know, there are cars that you just don't want to take a 500-mile trip in. And if the guy says, hey, come on, ride with me. No, I'm not riding with you. Your tires are bald, the engine's smoking, and it rattles when you just start the thing up. I'm not going, no, I'm not doing it. Well, what's the matter? You don't like me? No, it has nothing to do with you. But the state of your car is not conducive to me getting there safely. Hallelujah. So if you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, what's the issue here? And He says, you need to build your faith to push through this. Don't get upset. Just back off and build your faith. Double up. Remember we talked about being full of the Word and full of the Spirit? When Jesus was about to engage in the fight of faith in Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, what does it say? It says that Jesus returned full of the Holy Ghost. Is that right? Full of the Holy Ghost. And where did He go? Into the wilderness. For what purpose? To be tempted of the devil. But when He went into the fight, what was He full of? The Holy Ghost. Right? And in the middle of the fight, what did the Holy Ghost help Him do? Bring all those Scriptures to remembrance. He was full of the Holy Ghost and full of the Word. And what did He do? He won. I was looking at that one day, and the Lord said to me, He said, never make the mistake of thinking that this happened just because I'm Jesus. He said, I didn't know all those verses just because I'm Jesus. He said, the Holy Spirit helped me when I needed it. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 14 that the Holy Ghost is a divine reminder, and He'll bring all things that you've been taught and all things that you've heard to your remembrance. Amen. Do you see this? Whew. Matthew 8. Mm. The Lord has been good to me. Matthew 8, verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I'll come and heal him. The centurion said, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, he goes. Another come, he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Truly I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, not in Israel. Now notice this. The word great is defined as quantity. So great or so large. So this man had a large quantity of faith, according to Jesus. What was the proof that he had a large quantity of faith? Notice verse 8. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. Now this is another one of those principles that we know. But see, it requires honesty. If I'm honest, is the word alone? Now, now I'm going to ask you not to shout at me right now. I want you to think about this. If I'm honest, is the word alone enough? Now, wait a minute. I think you misunderstood me. When I said don't shout, 
I mean, don't say, that's right, yes, the word's enough. Hang on. I'm talking about for you. Personally. If I'm honest and I encounter a situation, is the word alone enough? I got to be honest about that. See what I'm saying? Is the word alone enough? Do I know the word? Or do I know the word? Is the word enough? If I was in this man's position, would I have said the word is enough? You know, if I'm honest, there was a time in my, my faith walk, I would say no. Because there was a time in my faith walk, I needed some other evidence Beside just what the Word said. And you know, God was gracious at times to give me a little more evidence. Because I was learning how to walk in faith. But what you have is you've got a lot of believers, not you. I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm saying you've got a lot of believers that will say, yes, the Word's enough. And all you need is the Word. But then the fight of faith comes. And they fall apart like a bad suit. Right? Because the, now, now this is not, I'm not saying this is the case in every instance. I'm saying it's, it's because the word wasn't enough. See what I'm saying? Because knowing the principles and knowing the verbiage and knowing the faith statements does not mean the word's enough. If fear constantly bombards your mind, you need more word. Because you need to build your faith to displace fear. Yeah, but it just comes on me. Yeah, but that, see, that's, that's not an excuse. Because if that fear can just come on you, if faith is already there, faith will rise to the occasion even when the fear tries to come on you. If it overwhelms me, then there's either a problem with the Scripture or I didn't do something. Amen. Because Ephesians 6 says, the shield of faith will quench every fiery dart of the wicked. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. If a dart of fear gets around and overwhelms me, now wait a minute, did the shield fail or did I not take it up? Ephesians 6. We must go there for a moment. Am I helping you? Yeah. And, and remember, I, I need you to keep this in mind. I, I am teaching this from the standpoint of someone that has stood in all the faith that I knew to stand in and, and the situation didn't go the way I thought it should go. Well, that, that, of course, there was somebody else's will involved. But I know I was in faith. Right? But after that situation, I backed off and I said, Now, Lord, did I miss it here somewhere? Well, people have a will, and we understand that. But where you are personally concerned, where you are personally concerned with your faith, you've got to make a decision. If if something got through, did the Word not work, or did I not do my part? Notice Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. Uh. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith. Now, this is interesting. Above all, 
That does not mean that's the most important piece of armor. The most important piece of armor is the loin belt of truth, which is the Word of God. That's what faith and every other piece of armor hangs on. All right, the Word. But it means out in front of all. Over all is what the Greek says. It carries the idea more of like a bubble than it does just a shield, although it wasn't just a little shield that we think of. It was a man-sized shield. It was the size of a door. Out in front of all. And notice what it says. But notice what it says. Take it. That idea in the Greek is you got to pick it up every day and take it with you. Right? That's why you got to be full of the Word and full of the Spirit. Because the Word empowers your faith and the Spirit anoints your faith. And that's why this soldier would take his shield of faith every day that was made out of several layers of animal hide and wood, and he would soak it in water, which is the Word of God, and then after he soaked it in water, he would rub oil into it to keep it pliable so it wouldn't crack and break under pressure. So you got to take your shield every day. If you're believing God for healing, there should not be a day that you're not taking the shield of faith and applying the Word to it and praying in the Holy Ghost because you want to stay full of the Word and stay full of the Spirit. Knowing that God will heal and knowing that you should be healed is no indication that you have faith to be healed. Amen. Being able to pray with somebody else and quote the word to them is not an indication that you have the word in you. Agreeing with other people is no indication that you're operating in faith. <laughs> Amen. Just tell your neighbors, I sure do love my pastor. Amen. See, see, here, here's the thing. I, I don't want you to get in a position and your faith break. You understand? I, 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 don't wanna, I don't want you to ever get in that position. I don't want you to ever get in a position and doubt whether you have faith or whether you're in faith. Hallelujah. So he said, take the shield of faith. So I've got to ask myself, is the word enough? Because Jesus said great faith was evidenced by this, that it needed no other evidence than speak the word only. Hallelujah. That's that conviction of the word. When you read something in the word, whatever it is, when you read the begats, you got to be convinced that's true. When you're reading through the Old Testament and you see all those countries that you can't pronounce the names and all those peoples, Jebusites and Amorites and Hivites and Hittites and Itesites and otherites and Arcanites and Kansasites and all the ites. You got to be convinced that's true. I don't know how to pronounce their name, but God said He would go before them and drive them out. Right? I'm convinced. And when I, when all I need is the word, this man, ever how he got this great faith? The Bible tells us he understood authority, so he understood the, the workings of faith. But evidently he had heard of Jesus. 
Because he knew to send people to Jesus. One of the four gospels says he came. The other one says he sent the religious leaders to Jesus. But ever how he heard, he heard. And how's faith come? By hearing, he heard of Jesus. And he made the decision, if you'll just speak the word, that's enough. Is that right? So what are we working for in the fight of faith? To get to the place where I need no other evidence but what the Word says. Amen. Amen. Well, how do I get there? Run over to Romans 10. Am I helping you with this? So how do I go from no faith to little hand-holding faith that's subject to doubt and circumstances to great faith that needs no other evidence than the Word? Because that's, if I'm in a fight of faith, I want the greatest measure. I want to always be full. Amen. You know when something's full, you got to be careful how you carry it. Because it'll just slosh over. Amen. You know, when you're full of the Word and the Spirit, it doesn't take you two hours to get in the Spirit. It doesn't take you four days to work your faith up. Because I'm full. I'm full. So what's, 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 what's the idea there and the indicator? Stay full. Stay full. The, 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 the book of Ephesians tells us, do not be drunk with wine wherein is excess or wherein is, is dissipation, but be being filled yes. with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What's the Bible say in the book of Jude? It says, and you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Is that right? So, so, so it means that as I'm building up my faith, how am I building up my faith? By getting in the Word. What else am I doing? Praying in the Holy Ghost. What am I doing when I'm praying in the Holy Ghost? Not just speaking mysteries, not just talking to God. I'm filling up. Every time you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're filling your spirit up. The Bible says you're edifying your spirit. You're not edifying your mind because the Holy Spirit bypasses your mind. But you're edifying your spirit. And then when you need something in the natural, you're full of the Word and you're full of the Spirit and you can't be defeated. But if I'm only half full or a quarter full or a third full, you know, that's another thing. You ever get in somebody's car and they're always on E? It's just, you're not prepared to go anywhere. Yeah, but you know, after the light comes on, you got 25 more miles. I don't want to risk it. I, I just don't feel, I don't like you that much to walk down the road with you. Out of gas. Probably running around on empty and don't even have a can in the back. Hallelujah. And you know, here in Arkansas, it's just like in Kansas. My goodness, you get out of town, you can be 40 miles from anywhere. Right? Run out of gas. That's how a lot of people are in the Spirit. They, they get out there and, and they got the armor on, but their tank's low. And they always need somebody else to pull them up. Help them out. Pray for me. Help me. Encourage me. We don't mind doing that. We're shepherds. We love to help the sheep. But at what point do I need to just encourage myself 
in the Lord. You can't encourage yourself in the Lord if there's no spirit of encouragement and spirit of might on the inside of you. Many people are so physically physically minded that they have no spiritual intuition. You've got to be so full of the spirit that when the challenge comes, that's what rises to the top. What, whatever's there in abundance is what's going to answer the door. Hallelujah. And, and in the fight of faith, you're not, listen, you're not just fighting bad circumstances. Listen to me. Who's in back of bad circumstances? Who? No, not your spouse. The devil. <laughs> Hallelujah. What, what the devil, what, what three things? Help me. Um, th- th- this is responsive reading. What's the three things the devil came to do? Say it louder. A little louder. One more time. So if it's stealing, killing, and destroying, who's behind it? The devil. That's what the fight of faith is all about. You are resisting that individual that's trying to steal from you, destroy your life, and kill things in your life. I can't go out there and fight a crazy man like the devil on half a tank. The Bible calls him the adversary. That carried the idea in, in, in later Greek of a lawyer that was, that was fighting against you in a court of law. In the earlier Greek manuscripts, it carried this idea. Somebody on the verge of insanity. The devil is a crazy man. He's nuts. He doesn't care about anybody. He did. Listen, I've told people for years, he, he would destroy your life in a minute and not think anything about it. Amen. He would rob from you, destroy you financially, and not think anything about it. And you got Christians out there on a quarter tank of fullness trying to fight the fight of faith against somebody that is prepared and has been prepared for millennia to steal, kill, and destroy. And here the Christian stands with all the authority that's been given to them by Jesus Christ from God the Father, and they're running around on half tank. You got to pull up to the word station and fill up. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Did we ever get to Romans 10? Okay, thank you. Verse 17. So then, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Now notice that the word cometh was not in the original letter. It was added for clarification. But So we would read it this way. So then faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now why is that important? The Roos Bible says faith is out of the source of that which is heard. Praise God. So the faith comes from the source that you're hearing. Yeah. God. And then he says the source should be the word. Right? So how often should I be hearing the word? People say, well, every day. Here, here it is. Every chance you get. Every chance you get. Now, I'm, 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 I'm going to be careful with this because I don't want anybody to throw anything at me. 
Because I know we got to live a natural life. But hear me. Every time you allow something in your ear gate, don't make this mistake. It gets to your spirit. And your spirit is full of faith, or should be. But every time you hear things that go contrary to the Word, it's like adding water to your gas tank. You know, if you get a little water in your gas tank, you might be able to run it out. Is that right? I'm not a full-blown mechanic, but I've owned enough junk cars that I had to learn some things. You get a little water in your fuel, you can maybe run it out. It'll cause it to miss and sputter a little bit, but you can eventually get it out of there. But you get too much water in your fuel, and there's nothing you can do but replace the tank, and if you're not careful, you might have to replace the engine. Why? Because a combustion engine was not designed to run water. Your spirit, your faith, was not designed to run on 90% faith and 10% doubt. Your faith is a finely tuned, conditioned mechanism. And it will work quickly and powerfully every time if it's got the right fuel. Well, you know, you know, but Pastor, we got to know what's going on. Okay, I'm not going to argue with you. You do whatever you want to do with there. But ask yourself, how much of what I'm listening to is watering down my faith? When you get a, when you get a bad report, why you got to go tell everybody? <laughs> no, sister, I think I better move on. <laughs> right? Well, you know, I just want to get their opinion. Their opinion? And what if their opinion is contrary to the Word of God? What have you done? You've just added water to your fuel mixture, and now you just got another thought you got to cast down. Part of the fight of faith is you're taking the ammunition of the enemy away. How am I doing that? By flooding my mind and flooding my spirit with what the Word of God says. Come on, Pastor. Praise God. Am I helping you? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. You, 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 you remember, Pam, you got, you got healed last week just about 15 minutes from now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I saw her up there dancing in the hallway. Hallelujah. Man, I look back there Sunday night, Tavakal, I don't know if you know I saw you. I look, I look back there Sunday night, Tavakal was just dancing, dancing right back here. Boy, that blessed me. Amen. Why? Because when you're doing it on the outside, something's happening on the inside. Something has changed. So the source of faith is the Word. The faith principle here is revealed. Faith for fill in the blank comes by hearing the word on that subject. Well, Pastor, that's simple. Yeah, it's so simple a lot of people aren't doing it. Because when you become familiar with the the principles of faith, you can put them on, on the shelf. Listen, just because you had faith last year for something is no indication you've got it this year. 
Just because you could believe God last six months for something, if you haven't been consistently building your faith, it's no indication you still have that amount of faith. Amen. Pastor Michelle, you remember that, remember that commercial? It, it, it was hefty trash bags. Y'all remember hefty? And it said, you know, it had, it had the lady that was cleaning off the picnic table with all the paper plates, and she put it in a bargain bag, and it broke. And it said, wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. <laughs> I said, what you need is hefty, 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 hefty. Yeah. Right? That's why Pastor, Pastor Michelle preached a message one time. She said, there are believers that when they open their mouth and speak the word of God, it comes out like this. He said, but there are other believers that when they speak the word of God, it comes hefty, hefty. That's what you want. In the fight of faith. So, for faith to grow, I must be partaking of the source of faith. Knowing something is true will not cause your faith to grow. For instance, I have absolutely no faith that I'm going to fail. I am a faithless wonder where that's concerned. Because I can't fail. Why? I built my faith for so many years to understand that when God says something, it's going to happen. I'm going to be successful because God said. I believe God. I've trained myself to not believe what I hear that's contrary to the Word of God. Amen. That's not denial. I just don't believe it. If you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a bad report and says there's nothing we can do. Well, you can't deny that. That's the report they gave you. I can do. What can I do? I can walk out of that doctor's office and refuse to accept that as the final word. I understand they've done all they can do. Right? But I believe God. Amen? For faith to grow, I have to be partaking of the source of faith. Amen. There are things believers know are true, but they never spend time feeding on them. And their faith never grows. I remember, I'll, I'll use a, 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 oh, thank you, Lord. I'll use a, a, a very familiar illustration. Back a number of years ago, and many of you will remember this, God gave Leroy Thompson a revelation about money cometh. And people turned it into a confession. It wasn't ever a confession. It was a declaration. Leroy was standing in that, in that grocery store and the guy ahead of him was buying beer. What a place for God to give you a revelation. Right behind the alcoholic. <laughs> and the guy that was buying beer paid for it and looked at Leroy and said, Boy, money goes. And Leroy said, you know how Leroy said, Yeah, I was standing there. I said, Yeah, money go." Right? <laughs> Leroy said, boy, I got out there in the parking lot and the Lord got on me. Said, boy, don't you ever say that again. Money don't go, money coming. <laughs> and then he said, that was a prophetical revelation. <laughs> right? But, but, but that was a declaration. Yeah. Money cometh to me yeah. now. Now, a lot of people grabbed a hold of that and said it, and there's still ain't no money come to them. 
because it was just a confession. They thought of it as just an enchantment. It was just a trinket to try to make something come. But I remember sitting in my living room at 7548 Corona Street in Kansas City, Kansas, right? Just coming out of poverty. God was dealing with us and showing us in the Word how to come out of poverty. And by the way, I'm not broke no more, never will be broke no more. I'm a wealthy man. God has been good to me. Amen. But here's the point. I'm sitting there in a house where if you invited people over to your house, you had to get there 15 minutes early, turn on the lights, make sure the roaches ran away. They weren't our roaches. They were there when we got there. (laughs) We didn't have roaches. We got them. We inherited them. Amen. Amen. But I was, I was sitting there, David, I was sitting there in my, in my jamamas, as Lily says. You know, pajamas. And we, we were watching the 98 Finance Convention. Amen. And he was preaching on money cometh. Now, we'd been listening to this for 40 days. We weren't listening to anything else. See, we needed to come out of poverty. And we realized something. Neither one of us had the education to qualify in the world. We didn't have any rich uncles that were going to die anytime soon. And if we did, none of them liked us anyway. Hallelujah. But we're sitting there. She's sitting in the recliner. I'm leaning up against the wall. And he's preaching on money coming. And all of a sudden, out of his spirit, it was out of his spirit. He said, you need to get up wherever you at. And you need to say, I'll never be broke another day in my life. My God, that hit me in my spirit and I jumped up with the blinds open in front of God and everybody. And I started saying, I'll never be broke another day in my life. I started running around that house and I'm here to tell you, faith showed up in my spirit and I built it ever since that day and I have never been broke another day in my life. Because it wasn't just a statement. It was a declaration. You can be sitting here today and know God wants to bless you. And know the word says God will bless you and still be broke. Because it's not knowing what God wants to do. It's having faith that God will do it for you. And, 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 and let me hurry. you got to watch the thoughts. Why? <laughs> Who told you you were sick? Do you remember in the book of Genesis? I hid myself because I was naked. Who told you that? Didn't come from me. You didn't originate that. Who told you? Well, we don't ever see where the devil told them they were naked. But he must have. Because God asked him, who told you? Who told you you were sick? You're in the fight of faith. Why are you listening to those thoughts? Who told you that? Who told you what you have is incurable? (laughs) Who told you you weren't going to prosper? Now the answer is easy, isn't it? The devil. Who told you you didn't need to come to church that much? Who told you it don't take all that? The enemy likes complacency. The the enemy likes comfort. 
Just, just come to church, shout a little bit, hear the word, and go home and watch Fox News. Go home, flip on ESPN. But when the devil comes around, it's not going to run him off. Amen? Carson Tucker is not going to run the devil off for you. Or Hannity or any of our other news idols. is not going to run the devil off for you. Because what's in you is what's going to answer the door. Let me finish with this. Mm. Second Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.3. Hallelujah. While, while you're flipping to, to, to those verses, is there anybody under the sound of my voice, maybe more than one, you're, you're, you're fighting a mental battle. There's just like a mental battle, fear, uh, uh, apprehension, uh, anxiety. Anybody, while you're flipping to those pages, if that's you, raise your hand. Anybody, anybody, anybody. Here, here's one. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? If you're fighting any kind of battle in your physical body, we got one hand raised up here. If you're fighting a battle in your physical body, are you here? Raise your hand. If you're fighting a battle in your physical body, right here, right here. God bless you. God bless you. All right? In, any, anything that the enemy's trying to bring into your life, anybody, raise your hand. Hallelujah. All right, when we're done, I'm going to pray for you. Let me hurry. First, 2 Thessalonians 1.3. Notice what it says. Let me get there. Paul tells the Thessalonians, he says, we are bound to thank God for you. And then notice he makes this statement. 2 Thessalonians 1.3. He says, we're bound to thank God for you, brethren, as it's me or right, because your faith groweth exceedingly. The word exceedingly is only used in this verse in the entire Bible. Only one time in the entire Bible. And it means to increase. Now, this is where I wanted to get you, all the way from Romans 12.3 to here. It means to increase above ordinary degree or to increase beyond measure. Well, the Bible says in Romans 12.3 that to every man was given the measure of faith. And that word measure means a specific degree. And right here by this word exceedingly, it means that my faith can grow beyond the measure I was given and the ordinary degree. Amen. 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 So two things we see here. This exceeding growing faith came by hearing the word because that's the source of faith. Secondly, we see very clearly that our faith can grow beyond initial measure. So in order to succeed in the fight of faith, what do I have to do? Keep my faith tankful. Keep my faith tankful. Amen. Keep my faith tankful.